You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And this week, we are not here to talk about the first two weeks of the football season where the Cowboys defense has looked dominating. Called it. But uh, we're actually here to do our re or our look back yes. onto our Lord of the Rings episode. Yep. So for those of you that watch podcast or don't, what we do every set is overhyped, just right, underhyped. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a look at what we talked about in episode 240. So let's take it away. Yep. So for underhyped to start with, despite the price tag on Sauron the Dark Lord, I thought that card was not seeing the correct amount of hype for what it did. And I believe that now everything is kind of shaken out. And we can see based on the stats that this is one of the most popular cards in Commander as a Commander from this set. Um, Rightfully so. Card's insane. Yeah, it does infinity. Uh, three in Grixis for a 7-6 ward. Sacrifice a legendary artifact or a legendary creature. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, amass orcs one. Whenever an army you control deals combat damage to a player, the ring tempts you. Whenever the ring tempts you, you may discard your hand if you do draw four cards. That is just infinity things. This card does it all. And when we take a look at... Uh, EDH rec, we can see that it is the number one commander in the set by about 14-ish percent, which is basically where I said this card would end up in the long run. Uh, it is very difficult to beat out the One Ring, Halfling, Bowmaster, Mithril Code, etc. A number of the other cards that we talked about uh, is just a card in the set for representation, but overall as a commander, it is exactly where I expected it to be. Yeah, I this this was this episode was unique because we had a few that we were like, well, this qualifies as underhyped, this qualifies as underhyped, and Sauron and Aragorn were the two that I we both agreed on were just insanely underhyped. Yep. Uh, the one that I picked was actually my pick in the episode, and I stand by it as underhyped. And this is I had two actually that I thought were underhyped, mm -hmm. and it's Great Hall of the Citadel Foils. Uh, it's a common land. One colorless tap, add two mana in any combination of colors, spend it only to cast legendary. Uh, it's still a sub-50 cent card, but notably, if you want at least a play set, uh, sets were, I believe, it was 17 cents each mm -hmm. when we recorded. They are now 45 cents, is the cheapest with 99 cent shipping for any seller that has four of them. Yeah. So if you want this in quantity, it is getting significantly harder to find. Not only that, the cheapest one is now $0.25 cents with a dollar shipping. So $1.25 is much better than it was before when everyone was bundling free shipping during pre-release. But I still believe in this card. It's a great, I guess filler card is probably the best way to put it for yeah. an EDH deck. When you're building your mana base, it's like, all right, I have this. I'll throw it in. It goes in. And then I upgrade my mana base and take it out and put it in the next deck I'm building. Mm -hmm. uh, and these cards like that are always incredibly liquid. They're always very affordable. And they're just a good thing to have to just even out trades or just start a trade because sometimes people just need this. Or worst case scenario, having stuff like this at a booth for three bucks, 
you'll sell it. It'll move because the guy that needs that card that weekend needs that card that weekend. Yeah. Doesn't care what it costs. He'll just do it. Yeah. As a filter line, it's great. It does have representation in the set. It's in the top 40 cards for the set overall, according to Rec, uh, Discounting Commanders. It looks to be one of the most popular non-rare lands in the set yeah. from the outlook. So overall, everything's seems great uh, it's a little more unique than the gray havens which basically does the same thing but with legends from your graveyard so overall it's just a decent look and like you said it's pretty pretty easy to move you can probably put this in like a 50 cent binder for the non-foil and move it to 50 cents just because it's easy people need it yeah exactly um, then for just right i had orcish bow masters which is a card that's been tearing up every constructed format it could possibly be in one in a black for a one one flash when orcish bow masters enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps orcish bow master deals one damage to any target period then amass one orcs so it's doing exactly what we expected it to which is just sit in legacy and keep that format pretty honest in regards to what's going on it's yeah. not like the legacy format has changed a lot you just have to think about a lot more about whether or not you want to cast that brainstorm more so than when yeah. narset kind of really stormed into the format the it didn't change commander uh, a whole hell of a lot which is what people were melting down about they thought this was going to change the face of commander on the whole and yes it is it rounds out the top five and the top five cards from this set overall but it's not like people are just playing this the same way they play dockside it is very specific where you play it is very specific when you want to play it and overall it's in a really good spot what we didn't talk about was and you'll see this again when we get into uh, overhyped that the modern format had changed after we said this and it basically became the one ring and bow masters because bow yeah. masters kind of checks the one ring and that is something that we just didn't get right we're not here to really speculate on constructed formats all the time and we didn't realize it didn't seem like many people had a really good finger on just how powerful the one ring was and how warping it would be to modern and bow masters was right there it also gets to ride the coattails of the racto stamp scam deck which kind of came out of nowhere yeah. and took over the format by asking people to play in a more honest way and it is the the backbone to, well, I won't say the backbone, grief, and then ways to yeah. recur grief or the backbone of that deck. This basically just makes sure that you have a game plan once your grief is dealt with. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the thing about Rakdos Scam that I never expected was, like, the, the deck was good. Uh, the deck dominated Pioneer, mm -hmm. where you didn't have stuff like Solitude. Uh, but you also didn't have Ragavan. So I, I didn't expect that this would push that deck to basically be the deck to beat yeah. in Pioneer to becoming the deck to beat in Modern. Yeah. That was not anywhere on my radar whatsoever. So uh, my other, because I didn't have anything for this one that I thought was just right. Mm -hmm. uh, my other one that I thought was underhyped was the map lands. Um, the price is still relatively similar. I do think, however, that long term, and I'd said this when I mentioned it, was this was like a year to two out that you'll yep. start to see movement on this. I still believe in this card long term, or these cards, I should say, long term. Uh, I still and have literally seen someone in a five-color deck with the map lands for their mana base. Um, they played budget. Otherwise, they'd have duels. But... Uh, I believe in it. I think, you know, wonderful point you raised was, man, people on Etsy are going to love this. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, this has these cards have a lot of utility. I think there's a lot of use, and at the price point, it's the kind of thing that I'm fine taking a flyer on because they're still sub fifty cents. Yeah. For foils. Yeah, we talked uh, about even if you don't want to mat them and sell them that way, putting them in binders again uh, shows is a great way to do it. That's how you yeah. can move a lot of extra lands. Uh, the the foil binder. basic binder for two dollars a basic always sells well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Pe- People will come to events and they will be like, oh, cool basics. I love cool basics. Everybody loves cool basics that's a casual. Mm-hmm. Casuals are the ones shopping at these events. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think they're they're still underhyped, but I think there will come a day. Like with like with a lot of the um, those the full art non-basics, people just kind of come back around on them and they'll realize like, oh, yeah, I missed out on these. I really like them because now the lands are being reskinned like you were seeing with the secret layers. So everybody gets to kind of have a say in the way they want to play their land base and – it gives people options, and people like options. That's why Brainstorm is a fantastic card. Yep. Sure is. And then Steamrolling right into Overhype. We had the same card here, uh, Delighted Halfling. It is one and a green for a 1-2. That taps to add a colorless, or you can tap to add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a legendary spell, and that spell cannot be countered. So basically, taking a step back on this, we did take a flyer on Constructed, and we thought this would be into in modern e-tron and regular tron, mono green tron, and this might find a spot in there. Otherwise, it was going to exist in heavy legendary commander decks, and we both kind of agreed that this is yet another in the the monodork line. This sits probably below Birds of Paradise. We have Plaza of Heroes as a parallel. It was seven dollars at the time, and that was in about sixty thousand decks on Rec. And we both believe that there is no way that this card would hold. Now, yep. lo and behold, this is the second most played card out of this set trying to find medites um yeah i believe it's the second most played card in the set right behind the one ring and it is currently sitting in modern in the four color omnath decks it is Mm -hmm. also in yogmoth and doing some interesting things there though that deck is changing now that we got some beans so this might shake out there and then it's not quite running amok in Legacy, but it allows decks that want to play Teferi to stretch it to three or four colors pretty yep. easily with minimal changes. Leyline Binding also helps push them on a base, and so now you really just need to decide what your primary colors are going to be and which color you're going to be leaving out for uh, either the shortchanging yourself on Leyline Binding or leaning into Orcish Bowmasters is basically what it seems to come down to. If you go with red, you get Comet, you get Minsk and Boo. If you go with black, yeah. you get Shildred, you get Orcish Bowmasters. But Delighted Halfling sits behind the one ring from this set. It is a Halfling is in 38,000 decks on Rec about a month after release. Plaza of Heroes did not see anything anywhere close to this. It is currently in Oh, actually, it's in 76,000 decks. Nice. So it's picked up. But uh, Plaza of Heroes is just not moving at the same pace that Delighted Halfling is, which is really odd considering one of these is a land and one of these is a card with a green pip. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, The really interesting thing about this to me is there was a time, like, early July-ish, like right when hype reached its peak. This was like a $20, $30 card. Yep. Uh, And I thought there's no way that's tenable because I don't see it 
seeing that much play in 60 card formats and lo and behold it's now still hovering around ten dollars low uh i you know obviously yog moth and omnath make sense beans may change things who knows uh but this is you know i obviously it's not good enough for e-tron because or for mono green tron because your tron lands are better and control isn't that great in modern right now like, there's some tempo-ish decks, but control doesn't really exist, so you don't really need it there. Um, but I I still contend that $10 is, like, the absolute ceiling for this card. Mm-hmm. Barring a bunch of time passing and things changes, I just don't see it getting anywhere near that amount. Like, anywhere near, like, an amount above that. You know, 15, to me, is just out of the question for this. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, when when I was doing this list, I had the card pegged at eleven dollars, almost twelve, yep. and I think right now it's hovering somewhere between twelve and sixteen. It's like depending on which way the wind blows will yeah. determine how much this card costs. Market on it is ten seventeen, so it is coming down over time. Bowmasters is above where I had it. I had it at twenty four seventy two. It's stayed at thirty for a while, and now it's going up and up and up. The deeper we move into modern season, the more scam just kind of runs away with the format. The more that card goes up in price, and I I, I would assume both of them just kind of drop off in time like the moment modern like readjusts we'll see a big change in this delighted halfling yeah that's the it's weird to say to want to give in to the fact that it might cost more than birds of paradise right now considering there are more of these than there are birds of paradise floating around but it's more limiting and then it also speaks to this weird thing within the format which is just how useful is uncounterability because now it says something about the format People are playing counter spells. Well, why don't we dig on in on this statement and start investigating the ban list? Yeah. Why can't we unban cards like Gristlebrand, which was deemed too powerful because nobody was playing counter spells previously? Now we can make our commanders uncounterable. This was the problem with Gristlebrand. Yeah, Cavern exists. Yeah. You know, there's other options. Right. I the the other thing is, and I think touching on something you mentioned is like as modern season evolves, we'll see. Uh, I I think the one thing that will be to the great detriment of this card is if and when they decide to pull the Hogak and say, you know what, we let this flagship set run rampant for a year to try to sell cards. Yeah. Let's go ahead and yank the one ring or Orcish Bowmasters or whatever. The one ring being the key one. The because elementals that's, from Modern Horizons too. Yeah. Uh, if they do decide to be in the one ring, a lot of the decks that want Delighted Halfling want to resolve their one ring. That That's true, yeah. And if one ring goes away in modern, I think you see fewer halfling decks because the Omnath deck changes drastically at that point, mm-hmm. and it doesn't involve the one ring resolving anymore. So, yep, I'd, I'd be very curious to see how that would shape things. For you sure. know, obviously in the Yogmoth list, it's there with Bowmasters, but it's there to protect your Yogmoth and your Shieldreds. Yeah, that one, like that one, I think, and your has, Christ, I guess, yeah, yeah, that one plays really oddly because there's so much going on with the Yogmoth list there's so much possibility right now thanks to agatha's soul cauldron now it, once a gris is in your graveyard all your creatures can become gris and you can yeah. mill your library over and then from there question mark yeah. effectively thassa's oracle if you wanted to so to try and predict anything that's going to happen with that list either because of a ban or not because of a ban to me feels like a fool's errand because yeah. i'm no ga- like i'm insert ma- a mega mind meme here but uh, i am not that person <laughs> when it comes to that deck i just yeah so I, I, 
I just don't want to attempt. But yeah, that's, yeah, that is another deck that has to figure out what to do at that point. You gotta, if you need the one for your chain, well, you have options. They're not all sure, great, yeah. but there are options. Or maybe you don't use the one anymore. I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. Uh, anything else about Halfling? Uh, I got nothing else on Halfling. All right, cool. So we can just run straight into picks for this episode. Yes. Uh, my pick is... I think great. Uh, it runs kind of contrary to some of the things we talked about in the last episode, where I talked about infinite printings and Wilds of Eldrain, and we were talking over under rightfully hyped. Good yep. time to do a look back. I'm actually going for the Enchanting Tales version of Waste Not. Card's 99 cents right now. That's it. That's yeah. the pick. It, it's it's like $2. This card at one point was $20 for the non-foil because it's literally such a good source of card advantage for black. It does mm -hmm. everything you want in the color, and it gives you rewards for that. It's, it's just really good. And to me, I look at this as, okay, this is an extra sheet card. It's like the Mystic Archive. Yeah. Uh, Dark Rit was a card I picked from Mystic Archive because I thought that was the banger of the set. Same deal with Waste Knot. There's a lot of cards in Enchanting Tales, obviously. Uh, but I think this is the one that, to me, is the absolute banger. Say what you will about cards like, you know, having another foil version of Curiosity or Spreading Seas. I, I, Grasp of Fate got a reprint. Um, was it... What's the Infect one that they ran where you lose life instead? But there's, oh, you know... Life. Yeah, that one. Uh, but there's also, you know, Bitter Blossom and stuff like that. Those already have a price. Mm -hmm. The anime ones, I don't really care about. But the thing for me is the cards that have a price have a $15 price. That's going to be their price. Smothering yeah. Tide at this point is a $15 card forever. I don't see a world where Waste Not doesn't creep back up to that 5 to $10 point. And you can look at literally every time it's been reprinted. The price always crept back up because there is so much demand for this card. Yes, so uh, the secret layer one's like $10. I'm not saying that this is going to reach $10. I think it might in foil despite the existence of collector boosters. But I definitely think that getting in now at a price of 2 to $3 shipped is just absurd. That is mm -hmm. too good to pass up for me. I There is... Legit MTG has a brick of 21 of them for $3. I That seems like the low end of what buy list will be eventually on this card. Now, in terms of timeline, that's where it gets kind of tricky. Dark Rit held a $15 price point for a long time before it eventually reached 25 I think that this will sit in the sub $3 for quite a while. Uh, probably six months or more. And then it will start creeping up again. And when it starts creeping up again, I think within six months is when you'll see it hit that 5 to $10 mark, uh, especially in the foils. Again, foils don't command a huge premium in an era of collector boosters where there's 30 foils per booster pack of 31 cards. But I can see that happening on a card like this because it is so ubiquitous yeah. across competitive and casual EDH mm -hmm. where you just want to get the coolest version of a card. Uh, I think this is one that, for me, you can pick it up easily for the next couple months, even at just limited events. Uh, just from people having it in their trade binders, having it in their bulk, should be an easy acquisition. Uh, it's a card that has a price point, has a history of that price point, has a history of playability and an established 
identity in the commander format. Uh, I don't think this card ever sees play in 60 card, but I think that this is going to be one of the most paid, most played black cards in commander pretty much forever at this point. Uh, I just don't see something taking its spot. And if you could have told me at any point that waste not was reprinted, that I could have had a copy for less than $3. I bought all of them. I card is just great. It has the liquidity, the history and the power level. Mm -hmm to be consistent with a price point well above what it is now. Yeah. I think a lot of these are pretty good looks right now. Like you said, the ones on the high end have their price tag. They're not really coming down. The ones on the absolute low end, there's nowhere to go. Like Curiosity is a great card. Uh, Hatching Plans or whatever it is, another good card. But these cards, they're they're not going to you know rise back up. But there's a lot in the middle that yeah. you can look at. Waste Nod is one of them. I think Leyline of Anticipation is another decent one. Sanguine That's Bond another one. That's absolutely How is Sanguine dirt. so affordable? I don't know. It's insane to me. Forced Fruition at one point was like a $50 card. Yeah. Uh, Primal Vigor is another good one. That one has a price, but it's nowhere. Like, it's expensive, but not as expensive as it should be. Um, so there's a, there's a lot in the middle, and I think this is a really good, not just look for an individual card, because this is probably one, one of the ones that, just snuck by. I forgot this was on the sheet. I was looking at everything else that yep. wasn't waste not. Um, honestly. Fiery Emancipation before this reprint was a $20 card. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, so this this actually absolutely has a pedigree. Uh, like you said, they're, they're out there for $0.99. Cents. They're $2 to $3. The, every, every other version of this card is actually back up to $15 for yep. what it's worth. So this this does have the ability to recover in time it will recover in time there are only four three other printings yeah there's the m15 the secret layer and commander 2016 so technically you have one printing in the m15 so like why not why not look at yeah. cards why not look at something like this something that has a pedigree behind it and make a move and i, I think it's great um like, like you mentioned, timeline is always is seems to be a little bit fuzzy on all this stuff because we don't yeah. know how long people are going to be interested in this set and that's kind of going to muck things up. I don't think it's going to be like Strict Haven where people just bought in immediately and then moved on because the set was just kind of hot garbo. I yeah. think this this set's a lot better than Strict Haven, but the problem is is that it really only has like a month or two. I forgot. We went over the timeline. We have like the Doctor Who stuff Not into long. the Lord of the Rings Commander stuff into yeah. Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So there's the opportunity that the set just doesn't get open because there's not enough time. Yeah, the, the other thing that I think could go in its favor short term is that this is the first standard set in two months. And, like, there's been a shit ton of releases. So yeah. there there may actually be a world where people want to play limited with the standard set. And that could temporarily depress the price of these. Yep, but. for sure. No, I, th I think it's a good look. Uh, this is a, everything you said about this card is, is always uh, worth, worthwhile to remember when it comes to Waste Not in particular. So, like, yeah. spot on. Uh, for me, I'm looking at uh, two cards. It's a package that we are that we want to sell right now. So, uh, in building my list on the 15th, I saw that Card Kingdom was buying both Scapeshift and Valakut, and every pull of their hot list yielded Scapeshift and Valakut on there. And the, on the 15th, they were buying 23 copies of Scapeshift for $13.50. And 48 copies of Valakut at $11.50. The TCG market on Scapeshift was $13. There were 98 copies. 
for Valakut is $19.17 and 117 copies. And we're looking at the base versions only. So it's Morning Tide for Scapeshift and Valakut for, uh, sorry, and Zendikar for Valakut. The, the holes on CK for these are across almost every edition. Um, there might be some box topper Valakuts floating around, but generally speaking, CK loads and then they're gone. Loads and gone. Um, and I've been watching that for the last couple of days. Right now, CK is buying 17 Scapeshifts at $12, so that's a drop in price and quantity, so obviously that, that gap was filled. They were more expensive this morning before uh, the, the gap was filled. They are buying five set file foils at $42.50. They're buying 32 Valakuts at $12, which is uh, less Valakuts, but for more money, interestingly enough. And they're buying 10 set foils at $19.08. Cool. Uh, TCG listings for today for Scapeshift, 90 listings, at a market price of $12.79, so it's a slight dip in market on Scapeshift. And there are 109 Valakuts for $9.19, which is basically a one-to-one on both of those. So we're looking at this not because of Commander. We are looking at these because these are played in Modern. So yeah, yeah, they are playable in Commander, but it's the recent push in Modern where people are experimenting with this package in four-color Omnath decks, both with and without Bring to Light. And also, it seems like people are trying to breathe life back into the Titan Shift list. And the convenience here is that both of these decks are just below the surface of the modern format, meaning that because they haven't really trophied or picked up any big wins, they haven't been spotlighted yet. So that means we have the opportunity to start listing now before uh, a glut hit the market. Now... There's not a lot of new tech for any version of any of these decks besides the One Ring and Up the Beanstalk, but both of those cards are giving people a reason to experiment with both of these decks. Again, though, Four Color Omnath, like we talked about earlier in the show, is a deck people are still iterating on because of the One Ring. Now we have Up the Beanstalk, so Bring to Light is pretty appealing. And I heard today that one of the things people are trying to do again in that deck is Bring to Light. Not necessarily for Scapeshift, but for Valky. So there's kind of a rift in the Omnath deck, what you want to do. Yep. So basically, we're just looking entirely at Modern, and we're looking to get out as people are slowly realizing, and they're checking their aggregators that these decks are, yep. are kind of performing. Timeline. Now, CK has been running low on these for a while, oftentimes sitting at zero stock, so moving these with immediacy is where we want to be. When these pop, people will no longer play this package in Modern, and they'll dump, so we want to be ahead of the curve. Sorry, the people who no longer play this package in Modern will dump, and will want to be ahead of the curve, because that's what happens every time. This isn't cyclical, this is more like a pendulum. And whenever the pendulum swings in favor of Scapeshift and or Valakut, people just dump into the market, and it takes forever for the cards to recover. Now, the velocity on Scapeshift is really low. Sometimes it sells only one a day. Valakut moves in twos and threes per day, which is rather low as well, but it supports the idea that neither of these cards will recover from a mass flood into the market. People are buying exactly the numbers they need, one scape shift and two to three Valakut, as these are the numbers generally run in most non-Titan shift decks. So basically all Omnath flavors run one scape shift if they're, if they're doing that, and two to three Valakut. The Amulet Titan lists are running 
I think three Valakut, no scape shifts. But the Titan Shift decks, as the name implies, play Primeval Titan, four scape shift, and four Valakuts. Usually split three and one between the main and the board. So that's kind of like where the numbers sit and why we're seeing the cell in the numbers they are. So again, we're looking to move in, or sorry, move out now. We don't want to be buying in now. The, no. I don't think these decks really have a leg to stand on. They were both bad before Lord of the Rings, and I don't think they're going to get better after Lord of the Rings because the only card that the four-color Omnath decks picked up was up the Beanstalk, and there are much better things that you could be playing alongside that with uh, Fury, Solitude, Leyline Binding. You have a lot going on there already. You don't need to mix in Bring to Light for Skate no. Shift. Similarly, the Titan Shift deck got nothing besides the One Ring. That yep. list, the only card that costs more than four in that list is Primeval Titan. And it looks like right now people are cutting down from four to two. Yeah. So we're just not going to see a lot of great support. Now, reprint equity on this stuff. Watsi didn't get burned by printing Scape Shift either time that it printed it, and Valakut is basically locked to Zendikar, so I wouldn't expect either in a core set. I wouldn't expect either in standard. No. You have to spend a lot of time and effort planning these cards out. If you wanted to put it in a core set like they did the last time, you have to have at some point in time in the history, or sorry, in the future of that card's standard existence, something else, else to pair with it. And if you go back to our episodes where we talked about Scapeshift, in that core set, I said, this is a, a tentpole card that says there's going to be a ridiculous land in the set. And then what yep. happened? In like the last three months of Scapeship's exist existence, we got Field of the Dead. Yep. It wasn't the Mazes or the Gates or whatever the hell those cards were from Rav. It was Field of, the, Field of the Dead in the last three months of that card's existence. It did nothing else otherwise. Yep. It was just a cheap pickup. Putting Valakut in a, in a Zendikar set is really weird because that Zendikar passed. They don't like doing that. And putting either in a supplemental draft set really warps the design space for that set. So I doubt we get it there or in a commander product for similar reasons. You got to draft a lot of mountains to make Valakut work. It's like a Mary of the Sky Rune also requires nine islands. And guess what card does not get reprinted either? Similarly, Mary. if you have Scape Shift and no good payoff, it's just a dead card in a master set. Yeah, And they don't often like doing that, so it's understandable. So for that reason, I don't really know where we, or those reasons, I don't know where we, where we would really get these again. So it, it is a little bit of a value rub of like, well, why would we sell if there is opportunity for these decks to come back around in modern? It's just like, well, these decks just keep getting worse and worse and worse over time. Like yeah. Renin 6 doesn't fix any problems of the Titan Shift list. Like that, it just, it just doesn't. Force of Negation is still a hell of a card. Sure is. Yeah. Uh, buy quantity overall, it's weird to talk about that when we're looking at a sell uh, call, but at the end of the day, I have no more of these left that I don't use for play. I moved yeah. them out the last time the modern meta pendulum swung and made this package decent, and I yep. try not to keep more than what I play around because of the velocity issues that we talked about. When, this, when these decks aren't like, pop in and people aren't like trophying here and there all the time so people want to buy in and experiment and mo their modern fnms then nobody's going to buy these 
Moreover, it's really hard to just find modern FMs unless that's kind of what your store does because yeah. now we're in these weird seasons and we won't get another real modern season, I don't think, until next year and not even immediately in 2024. It's going to be yeah. later in the year, most likely, like we saw this year. So you're just going to be sitting on kind of like dead cardboard for almost a year if you do pick these up. And if you do happen to pick them up and trade to even things out or for commander or what have you, anytime these pop, I would recommend getting rid of them. I don't think yeah. they are good to stockpile. I don't think they are good to hold unless you're going to play them. But they are kind of safe because it does seem like every, I want to say like 18 to 24 months, that pendulum swings, something happens. The, these kind of This kind of package becomes good again for a little bit of time. And that's, that's the opportunity. That's when you want to dump, and then you can just move back off. It, the package reminds me a lot of, like, it's, its existence in the modern metagame reminds me a lot of Dredge and Legacy. Yeah. It's good when people aren't expecting it. Uh, it's, it's good when there's not a lot of hate. The problem is that it's not that there's incidental hate out there for it because of overlap with other decks. It's because everything's just gotten too good. Yeah. It, the threats are just too efficient. Card advantage is too good. Uh, the only thing I found in the last couple months was a second place finish in a modern league. Uh, that doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, and as far as reprints go, the only place I could see them reprinting it, because the, basically the exact reasons you said, is like a Zendikar-themed or Valak, like a literal Scapeshift secret lair. Yeah. That's it. Here's like Scapeshift secret lair, buddy. That's the only way I can see them reprinting this because unless they did like maybe Valakut, they could do a legendary land cycle. But where the fuck would you put Scapeshift? Big dumb sorceries that were relevant? That's a great secret lair. I guess. Yeah. I, I just don't see this being reprinted. At, but again, without there being demand for this card, because these cards are primarily 60 card format cards. Mm -hmm. The formats where they're played, they're just not good. And I think you're right. We could start to see all of a sudden someone just starts spiking stuff with it. And, well, now there's actual liquidity there that wasn't there before. So get rid of it. Get out. Yep. And so and that's it. It's because we're starting to see this movement back on these cards because these decks are sitting here and just coming in at like 4-1 or like top 32. Yep. The people who are out there searching for something else to be doing in modern – aren't just necessarily looking at the decks that win because the decks that win are the same decks. Mm -hmm. They're taking a deeper dive down through results to see what's out there. When Andrea Mangucci a couple of years ago spiked a league with Teamer Scapeshift, a bunch of people thought, including myself, thought that deck was actually decent when you could play Expressive Iteration in it alongside Ren and Six and Remand. And it just was not good. This was, yeah. nobody was really playing the elementals. The biggest threat you had to worry about was dealing with Raghavan on turn one and not having Raghavan hit your Valakuts or your escape shifts. And it wasn't good then. Yeah. And it might be okay now, but it's not going to take over the modern format. There are larger issues at hand with that format. Yep. So I just don't, for those reasons, I have to drop you. So we are going to move out on Scapeshift and Valakut the Molten Piddle, Pinnacle. Got anything else? No, not for this week. Um, it's been an interesting ride with Lord of the Rings because it felt like this set came out a million years ago. but It really did. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it was last year. Yeah, right. Uh, 
So for at MTG Beancast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, uh, I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Damon underscore Thurston. And we'll see you next week. Deuces.